Hello and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. And I'm Drew. And we are here to uh, continue talking about Disney through the ages. Yes. And this is a Disney film that I have seen of the classics more recently than other ones. Whereas with Snow White, Pinocchio, Dumbo, I hadn't seen in the longest time i feel like it's only been about six or so years since i'd seen this one Mm -hmm. so it's quite recent and i do remember enjoying it but obviously a lot can change in six or so years yeah Uh, how many cinderella stories have we talked about on this podcast i think this is the fifth or sixth we have done the Rodgers and Hammerstein, Disney, Whitney Houston Houston one. We have done Slip in the Rose. Yes. We have done Bad Cinderella. Yep. And... So I think this is only our fourth. No, we've done the the Idina Menzel. Oh, how could I forget that one? We did that one earlier this year. Multiple, like multiple times a day I listen to the Idina Menzel soundtrack. The thing is, it's really fun that we can at least look at doing like two Cinderella's per year because there are that many musical versions. There are so many musical versions of Cinderella. We really don't need another one at this point. I guess Into the Woods as well, that technically has Cinderella, yeah. The thing with this one is I feel like this is the iconic one and this is... This is what people picture when you say Cinderella. They picture the blonde girl in the blue dress with the old lady's uh, godmother. Yeah. And I feel like this is seen by many as the definitive Cinderella story mm-hmm. and quite justifiably so. I think it covers everything you want from a basic Cinderella adaption. Yeah. And I think that's why I enjoyed The Slip in the Road so much is because actually we also got to focus on the prince's side of things. Mm-hmm. We've covered a lot of Cinderella, but it's going to be quite refreshing, I think, to see one that is quite pure and like its true form without yeah. it being stretched too much. I really enjoyed the Adina Menzel Cinderella version. I thought that was really fun, like surprisingly fun mm-hmm. for, you know, what it was. But it's going to be nice. I think it's going to be a good Disney one to cover. Yeah. So tell me about the making of this, because not only are you my musical guide through this, you are also a keen Diz nerd. Yes, I think that's a fair statement. But you are also very well versed in like the progression of the animation. Yeah, that's like one of my biggest Uh, I'm an art teacher. It's one of my biggest interests is progression through the way that art exists. So obviously this was made in 1950, produced by Walt Disney himself. Yes. Based on the existing fairy tale by the same name, uh, by Charles Perrault, they made some little tweaks. Like there's a lot less going on. Obviously, we don't have anybody cutting off any body parts. Or in having this their version. eyes pecked out. Yes, like in the Grimm Brothers version of the story. But this is Disney's 12th animated feature film. And obviously, we've skipped some. So we are focusing on Disney musicals that have more than five songs. Yes. Because some of them are quoted as being Disney musicals, 
but then actually don't have that many songs. Yeah. So we, we put a hard limit on it has to have more than five songs, like a decom. So Yes, yeah, so we we've skipped Fantasia. Mm-hmm. We've skipped the Reluctant Dragon. Which we know that Fantasia has more musical numbers than five, but because they're not sung, yeah. we're not including it. Yes, we have skipped Bambi, which mm-hmm. was a shame, but I'm surprised that obviously it's only like three songs in it. Yeah. Um, I don't know Saludos Amigos. Three Amigos. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Victory Through Air Power, I think, is one of the war films. Yep. We've skipped The Three Caballeros. Mm-hmm. Skipped Make Mine Music. For obvious reasons, we have skipped Song of the South. Yes. Uh, I don't think we need to go into any further detail on that decision. Yeah, until they change the um, Splash Mountain ride. We're not going to talk about it. Fun and Fancy Free, Melody Time, So Dear to My Heart, and The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Yes. So here we are. A decade later, nearly. Yeah. But we're going to have a good run of, I think, from 1950 with Cinderella up to 1963, potentially, a good run of Disney classical musicals with... Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Lady in the Tramp, Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians, Sword in the Stone, Mary Poppins, mm-hmm. The Jungle Book, The Aristocrats. So we have a nice, like, 20, in fact, 20 year run of yeah. solid musical animations and live action features of Disney. So in 1922, Walt Disney produced a laughogram version of Cinderella. What is a laughogram? A laughogram is essentially a short. Okay. It's, it was a short five to ten minute animated feature that was supposed to make you laugh okay like the ones that we see before movies now except the ones that we're getting at the moment make me cry rather than laugh cryograms we had a bow which made me cry the one with the raccoons that was horrible was that that was before encanto wasn't it yeah raccoons yeah because that and encanto are all about like breaking the cycle of abuse which (laughs) trauma i liked the paperboy one you know, the little one with the little paper. Oh, yeah. The animation cute. on that was lovely. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's just a silly little short before a film. Which apparently Lightyear didn't launch with. That's weird. Right? I don't know that I'm interested in seeing Lightyear. Lightyear is in itself a laughogram. Like, we're not <laughs> supposed to understand what's going on with that film. Anyway... He was going to turn it into a Silly Symphony short. So Silly Symphonies is a bunch of those little laughograms yeah. all together with a connecting through line, but they're all put together. And Frank Churchill was brought on as the composer with Burt Gillett as the director. The story outline basically included a bunch of like visual gags with Cinderella going through her story very, very quickly surrounded by her friends who are these sort of mice and birds that are helping her out with things and it took them over 10 years to try and actually turn this into a laughogram the story ended up proving too complicated to be condensed to be so short so they considered turning it into a feature film they had a outline written and then they had a treatment written and then they finally ended up with uh, the version that we have now. In the original story, 
uh, Cinderella goes to the ball three times. There, It's three consecutive nights, like in Into the Woods. Yes. And so on the second night, she comes home from the ball and her stepmother locks her in the basement kind of thing, in a dungeon. And then her mouse, like, helps them find the slipper and free Cinderella. But they decided they weren't going to do that. It was too complicated to have multiple balls. So they decided that they were going to have just the one night of the ball where they would meet. They then rewrote it because one of the writers was working on Song of the South. He got in a huge argument. His name was Maurice Rapp. And he got in a huge argument with another writer. And because of their fight, he got put onto Cinderella instead of Song of the South. And he wrote Cinderella to be a really outgoing, like argumentative, feisty character who was really rebellious against her stepfamily. Like she wouldn't do the stuff for them. She would play pranks on them. And he said that his thinking was that she needed to earn her like fairy godmother which yeah yeah. which she had to do by rebelling against her family um nobody took that idea seriously because the message that they were trying to get across with both snow white and cinderella was the theme of have courage and be kind yes which is brought up much more keenly in the 2015 version it's like a through line of that film is that she says it over and over again. It's one of my favourite things about these early Disney princess characters is that they're all about kindness and hope. Yeah. And I'm not saying that the new ones are bad because I really enjoy all the new films, but I really like that sort of quiet courage storyline because I can relate to that a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's a lot more relatable, especially when it is like there are no powers attached to you. You are just a person Mm. and it's your courage that kindness that helps you survive which i think they brought back in encanto when they made that film that she has that have courage and be kind plot line through the story which is a good thing i think that we need to teach people to be kind to each other yeah oh a hundred percent so disney was in a lot of debt (laughs) i think you know that we've talked about it before Yeah, they were struggling with Dumbo, and that was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine that, you know, through the 1940s with World War II going on and then the war recovery and live action features not setting the world on fire. Yeah. I can't imagine they're in a better place now. Well, so they made Fun and Fancy Free in 1947, and their debt went from $4.2 million down to $3 million And so Walt Disney was like, hey, maybe we should make some nice films that people are going to go and see definitely. We'll base them all on fairy tales and existing stories. We need to have people that people can relate to. So he started working on the actual animation now for Cinderella Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan. And Alice in Wonderland was supposed to come out first. Yes. But he felt that the characters were quite cold in Alice in Wonderland and that people would relate more to Cinderella because everybody has had somebody treat them the way that Cinderella is treated and everyone can identify with her. So 
they progressed with Alice in Wonderland. It got fast-tracked through to become their first full-length animated film since Bambi. And... Yeah, because looking at it, Fun and Fancy Free and The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad are like compilations. So Fun and Fancy Free is where you have the Mickey and the Beanstalk mm -hmm. and another another one, Bongo, which I've never heard of. And Ichabod and Mr. Toad has Wind in the Willows and yeah. Legend of Sleepy Hollow. So even though they are technically being released as full length animated features, they're not because two separate teams working on two separate animations. Mm -hmm. So the songs were being written by Mac David and Jerry Livingston and their friend Eileen Woods was asked to come in and record the songs just for the demo tracks. Yeah. They knew her from her radio show, which was the Eileen Woods show. And usually they had their music featured on her show. So they were all friends. They all knew each other. They sent off their demo version to Walt Disney and Eileen Woods got a phone call from him where she immediately scheduled an interview with him and she went in, they talked for a bit and he said, how do you fancy being Cinderella? She was <laughs> like, yup, <laughs> cool, let's do it. The film was released on February 15th, 1950. Oh, if only it was a day earlier, eh? I know. And then re-released in 1957, 1965, 1973, 1981, and 1987. So a gift that keeps on giving. It then also got a limited engagement in select theatres in 2013, when they started rolling out the uh, vault yes. versions of films, which is something that you will notice if you watch the Disney Plus version of Cinderella, is that they have gone back and they have edited the animation because it's the vault version. So that's something, because we're going to be watching that version. I do have it on DVD, but again, pre-certain that's going to be the vault version. Yeah, you'll have version. the vault version. Basically, the only way you will have the original version now is if you bought it before 2013 or you have it on VHS. I might have bought it before 2013. I might have. Mm, the non I don't version. think you'd have been able to though because for about 10 years before that you couldn't get it I might have got it second hand maybe this is, I have to admit it's a good time to talk about it with the Disney Vault it's one of the, the most clever marketing strategies ever that you know how do you keep selling films that are 60, 70, 80 years old it you take is really the... clever but they really mess with the animation well, on no, this one. you know this is the thing is you take it off the market for 5 years people will then pay full price for it i remember there was a period of time yeah because you worked in a smith's right you must have got all of these vault movies in yes and i remember there's a period of time i was absolutely desperate just to watch beauty and the beast and you couldn't there was no disney plus there was no streaming services so the second it came out on dvd i was like right i'm going to buy it i don't care that it's 16 pounds I am desperate for this. It comes with a cardboard sleeve over the top of it that's in a nice shiny colour. Yes, but... and there's an extra scene that's been restored and redone for it. You know, yeah, because human that's again. when they put Human Again yeah. back in, which is one of the best songs in Beauty and the Beast. But it was the same with The Lion King. I remember there was like, you know, or you Morning Report. Couldn't, yeah, but you just mm -hmm. couldn't watch it anywhere. Yeah. And it's so clever because people will, will be so desperate to purchase these films. And I know that other, like Warner Brothers, there was a rumour that after Deathly Hallows Part 2 came out, they were going to retire all the Harry Potter films who couldn't buy them anywhere mm. for a very limited time to then sell them again. 
which I don't think ever happened. But could you imagine? I mean, now with streaming, it won't work. People are more likely to just put it on the streaming service and, you know, I, I guess maybe share it along, but not like with Disney. They'll just keep their Disney ones there. But... The film was a huge critical success, though, when yeah. this came out. Oh, yeah. I, I've seen somewhere. I remember when I studied like animation this i thought was quite interesting the film is france's 16th biggest film of all time in terms of admissions mm -hmm. and this one is set in france yeah it's set in a chateau you've got madame oh my god why can't i remember her name oh it begins with t but it's not Thenardier. no that's all i want Tremaine. to Lady madame Tremaine. yeah yeah <laughs> and she calls her madame sometimes. She, obviously, she calls her stepmother, but she refers to her as madame. One of the things that I want to talk about before we watch this movie is I wrote my thesis at university. We could write about anything we wanted. The course yeah. I did at university, I swear, we just messed around for three years. Like, I did illustration. We did. It was very hard work. But mostly I just remember being able to choose everything that we did. Yeah. And so my dissertation was written on the way that uh, the Disney movies presented female characters and in relation to how they're changing them to modern Disney movies, most notably the live action. So I talked about the difference between Cinderella in this movie compared to her in the 2015 movie and the way that they had changed her to make her slightly more proactive in the 2015 movie. But she didn't need to be. And you've got all this stuff where, like, what do you think, most commonly, what do you think people say about Cinderella, about why she's a bad ro role model? Because she doesn't save herself, she needs a fairy godmother. Yeah, well, you have that. She needs the fairy godmother to come and save her. And then you have, oh, she ran away. Or she like gave up everything to chase after a guy. She just wants to go to the ball to meet this prince. But she doesn't. She doesn't meet the prince. She doesn't know that she's met the prince. Yeah. And you get a lot of commentary on these early Disney movies. Obviously there's stuff that's bad. This film comes from the 50s. And it's by men. Yeah, it's all men that are getting the credit for it. Not that there weren't hundreds of female animators working on all of these projects who never got any credit for it, which is its own issue but cinderella as a character is incredibly progressive her whole storyline is about how she in the face of horrible horrible living conditions continues to be herself to be kind and to have courage and that's something we should all aspire to yeah obviously she then gets the chance to get out of that situation but the way that she gets that she gets that chance is by being kind to people yeah. and by having courage. One of the things that they did take out, which I wish they'd put into the 2015 version, is that in the story of Cinderella, you'll remember it from the Camilla Cabello, is that her name? Yes. Version. The Adina Menzel one. She's supposed to meet the fairy godmother before this happens and she shows kindness to the fairy godmother. Who then decides... Who is pretending to be this old like hag who then is like, yes, I tested you, you are kind, you will, I will reward you for this. But in this version, she is already watching her. She knows how kind Cinderella is. She doesn't need to be tested. She's been tested enough. Yeah. Like every single day. And she's just this weird girl 
who would like to be treated as part of her family because she considers them her family, the stepsisters and her stepmother. She spends her free time making clothes for animals. She's a proper weirdo. <laughs> and that's really interesting. And um, I think people are too hard on these original Disney movies. Yeah. I will also say the prince does absolutely nothing in this film. So don't expect anything. Would this one pass the Bechdel test, you think? Because they spend enough time in it having female conversations that aren't about men. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Because there's very, I mean, towards the end, obviously, we have conversations about the prince in the bowl. But. Yeah, but at the beginning, it's more like them just complaining at each other. Yeah. But it's I mean, very... this film does have a lot of gender stereotyping, which is something that goes against the Bechdel test. Yes. But uh, to pass the Bechdel test, a work must feature at least two women and they must talk to each other about something other than a man for more than a minute. Which, so, I... yes, this movie probably does pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot like... of the time people are just talking about Cinderella. Yeah. Or, you know, do your chores and you're such a disappointment, Cinderella. But it's... You know, mm. still. This is also one of the few versions where that is just her name. Oh, yeah. It's not like a joke. Her name just is Cinderella. Yeah, I can't get on board with it where, like, the prince then uses her, like, not... Like, that was my issue. One of the big issues with uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella is the fact that even her best friend calls her Cinderella. And you're like, oh, okay, you're going to use my nasty nickname, are you? Yeah. Although they never established in that one that her name wasn't Cinderella. No, they do. I think they say that her name's Ella. Oh. I'm pretty certain. They definitely do in the... It's been around a year since we saw that. Yeah. I hope never to again or to hear it. The the Whitney Houston version, it does exactly that. She's like, oh, they call me... He says, what do they call you? And she's like, oh, they call me Cinderella because I sit by the fire and the cinders get on my face. And he's like, oh, Cinderella, I like that name. It's like, no. I take you, no, no. Cinderella. No, just call her Ella. It's fine. Right, well, just got some posts through. We're going to go to a ball. Prince is giving a ball. Prince is is holding one of his balls. Yep. As is tradition on this podcast. <laughs> and we will be back just after midnight uh, to tell you all our thoughts on the Disney Cinderella. See you after intermission. <laughs> And we are back. Yes, the bell has chimed midnight. We have run home. I have lost a shoe. Did you see where it went? No, it's gone now. It's a shame. I liked that slipper. Mm-hmm. Say Livy. Livy. Say Livy. I I think this might be my second favourite Cinderella. Your second favourite? What's your favourite? I do think Slipper in the Rose still just kind of tops it. Mm-hmm. But I think this is is my second favourite Cinderella, and I think it holds up very, very well. And I did enjoy watching this. Yeah. I think, obviously, you telling me about the animation, you could tell it was a lot more crisp and clean. Mm-hmm. 
But it certainly is like the best animation Disney have done since Snow White. Yeah. I mean, Pinocchio obviously was a huge step up. And like we said about the crowd scenes and stuff. But Pinocchio is very stylized. Mm-hmm. Like the people are very stylized and their proportions are off. Like look at Geppetto, for instance. Like Snow White is obviously far more elegant and mm-hmm. realistic. And I think you have that with Cinderella here yeah the one thing about the animation that did bug me and we talked about this whilst we were watching it mm-hmm. was the eyes yeah just because the eyes just look slightly wrong but you told me there was a reason for that oh yeah so when they released the vault version of these films some of them had been reanimated. Yeah. And so parts of them that weren't, I guess, perfect or up to modern standards of animation before were sort of rotoscoped over, which is where you draw over existing animation digitally. And they did it with things like lightening the colour. So when she runs down the steps at the end, you can see her dress is wrong and it blurs so that she loses all the lines around her face and she ends up being this sort of blob. And it's the same with the eyes. They tried to update the animation on the eyes and it just doesn't look good. Yeah. So it's kind of like maybe if we'd watched the pre-Vault version, that wouldn't be a critique, but it was beautiful to watch. Mm -hmm. Uh, We start with a really quaint, nice overture with cinderella yeah and again it felt very much like we were watching snow white again yeah i like these storybook openings yeah the storybook is back Um, and i like how the camera pans over the storybook Mm -hmm. to show us different parts and we get the nice little prologue that you know cinderella was a very happy little girl her mother died but she had her father and she was happy but then one day her father died and she became serving girl because her family estate fell into disrepair and the stepmother had squandered all their money so cinderella was forced into a life of servitude Mm -hmm. you know and it's done very well it's very quick to the point and we're now at this point where we're ready to watch the story and move forward yeah there's no reference to lady tremaine killing the stepfather or the father here have we had that in any Cinderella's we've watched so far? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I need to rewatch things to be certain. I don't think that is a version where she kills the stepfather. Is there not? Why would she do that? I always was told a version where she like poisoned him to get his money. Oh, sure. That, like, rings a bell, but I don't think that's in a film version. I feel like that's, like... The original Grimm's, or, like, the, you know, the Grimm's yeah, adaptation. the Grimm's story. Fair enough. I mean, it definitely is not in, in fitting with the tone of Disney's Cinderella. No, certainly. Because, like, Disney hasn't really got to big, elaborate death sequences yet. No. Still quite wholesome. Like, obviously, you have it with the Wicked Queen in Snow White... Yeah, but we'll get to it with Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, that's like the first like proper 
Like, full on, we're going to kill the bad guy. Yeah. So, each dawn, Cinderella found hope in her dreams. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the hope that the dreams would come true. So, immediately, the birds try to wake her up from her dreams. Yep. And I did like this bit. Like, I forgot that there was this element of her being, like, you know, that she, you know, she wasn't just straight up in the morning. She's like, oh, I'm trying to sleep. And you have the, the nice bird who's like trying to peck. And then like sh her hand comes from behind, just flicks it. And he's all like uppity about it. It's like, well, I'm doing my job. How dare you flick me? Mm -hmm. is quite nice. And she's definitely a lot sassier than I re remembered her being. Like, you know, for instance, the way she, she's like turning over, trying to get back to sleep, that it was a good dream that they woke her up from. And she complains about the clock. Yeah which I quite like about this is that this isn't just a Cinderella who's completely broken. Like she's still courageous and kind, mm -hmm. but she's actually got a bit of fight in her, which is nice. I like a dream is a wish. Yeah, me too. I like her complaining about the clock ringing because she's the only person that has to get up at this time. This tower that she lives in has a great view is great but it also makes no sense because there's nothing else in it it's just this room at the top yeah it's her prison did they construct this tower for her specifically maybe it was like an old watch post yeah it must have been you know for like oh no the british are coming run you know well so cinderella it's a chateau right so Based on the way that it is, based on the way that they act, you would think that these guys are like courtiers, but they're not. Yeah. I don't know. It did just like, I want to know more about the inner workings of the political world of Cinderella because <laughs> it's very interesting to me. Yeah. This town, this, it feels like a town. We actually never see anything except for the palace and the house. Yeah. We never go anywhere else in this film. Which is fine. I don't think it needs it. No, but like they have the lovely gardens and everything. So there's a lot of it that's like implied. Mm -hmm. uh, we get to see like all the different animals that step forward and help get her ready for the day. Uh, there's a really cute mouse with a tangled tail. Yeah. He's like, what is this? What's wrong with me? And I thought that was quite cute. And then there's the birds who like carry the sponge. Mm -hmm. And they drop the sponge and they can't lift it in the water because it's too it's heavy. It's too heavy. And that's a really clever way of showering her. Yep. It's also like, it feels weird to say, but it's the first time you've seen like Disney implied nudity. Because like you can see like Cinderella, like her shoulders are exposed. Yeah, I guess. And it's just, it was kind of weird to watch it. I'm just like, well, of course, it's a human thing. She has to shower. Mm -hmm. But I've not seen Disney animate anything like that before. So it's just quite weird. Yeah. I can't even record in like modern Disney seeing things like that animated. Yeah. She has no toes though. No, you said to me, is she wearing tights? But no, they just didn't animate her toes in. They just went for the dainty foot. Yeah. Look. Which is weird considering like how big a deal like Cinderella and feet are. That you would think they might have put a bit of effort into animating her foot. Considering you're going to have like these pivotal moments where she puts the slippers on and the slippers test. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I did say to you, oh, is she wearing tights? Because it was just like, there was literally no definition. We meet Jack Jack. Or is it just Jack? Yeah. 
he tells Cinderella there is a new mouse and she's like, oh, fantastic. She's not really listening to him and he's like clearly panicking. And eventually he gets it out and says, it's in a trap and Lucifer will get it. And she's like, oh no, we've got to hurry. And she goes down the stairs and they find naked Gus Gus. Yeah, naked Gus Gus. He's so funny. very, very scared. Mm-hmm. And he's like putting up a fight. Like Cinderella picks up the trap and tries to help him. He's like, you know, with his little fists. Yep. And then Jack goes to try to explain to him about Lucifer and that, you know, Cinderella's okay. And you get this weird shot where you look up from Gus Gus's perspective and you just see Cinderella's like shark eyes, like just staring down at them. And if I was Gus Gus, like, I think it's a really good shot because it makes me feel as scared as Gus is as I'm like, she doesn't look like welcoming in this this. No, one you shot think though, when. You know when people look at animals in cages, like little animals, yeah, hamsters and things. Think how big your head must look. Yeah. To them. Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting like choice, especially with like our protagonist to kind of put her in this like quite scary position. Yeah. Cinderella goes downstairs and starts her day. Mm-hmm. She opens up the door for Lucifer first, and you can hear like the snores of. The Ugly Stepsisters and Lucifer. I really like Lucifer's personality here. Like, he is just this ugly character that's reflected in his, you know, appearance. Yeah. You know how, like, Disney's very much, like, inner beauty reflects in the outer beauty. Mm -hmm. And people who are nasty inside look nasty outside. But Lucifer's got so much personality with the way, like, he moves. Like, he's a really good, like, animal character. Yeah, he's much more interesting than Bruno, which is the dog. We won't talk about Bruno. (laughs) He's so boring. He doesn't really do anything. Yeah. I I, I like the fact that Lucifer never actually talks, Mm -hmm. but is capable of showing so much personality. And that's good considering there's a huge focus, really, on the Tom and Jerry-esque interludes with Lucifer and the mice that we have these huge periods where Cinderella doesn't actually show up at all. Mm-hmm. We are just watching like the mice and, and Lucifer bickering, which yeah. is really, really interesting. I didn't remember having that much there. I also like that Cinderella clearly has no time for him. Like we've seen her be a friend to the animals and just the fact that she is not willing to really give the time of day or be patient with Lucifer shows that she knows his character and helps us to be like, oh yeah, he's a bad cat. Because if Cinderella's not got any time for him, it quickly establishes that. Yeah. But you like Lucifer, you were saying. I think he's a funny, interesting character. I think like he, you can tell where he's definitely left over from the laughogram. Yeah short version of this like a lot of the physical comedy in this which is what Walt Disney wanted when they were making it is surrounding him and the mice yeah because if you didn't have not if you didn't have the mice but if you didn't have Lucifer in this it would be quite sad (laughs) yeah you absolutely need those breaks yeah I also don't think without Lucifer there there's not much more story to it it'd be a lot shorter Mm -hmm. as a film like it might be dumbo length of 60 minutes yeah it's a really good addition Mm -hmm. so we go downstairs we do see bruno that bruno is dreaming of chasing and catching lucifer and he you know 
he's scolded by Cinderella saying, you know, look, don't mm-hmm. don't ever admit to that. I know I know that's how you feel, but we're very lucky that we're still here. So yeah. don't risk losing this. <laughs> My favourite bit is she's like, and Lucifer has loads of good points. Like, um, huh. And it's just a really funny little bit that even Cinderella cannot see anything good in, in Lucifer. Yeah. The mice decide it's breakfast time, so they're going to go out into the, the yard and steal some of the feed from the farm animals. Mm-hmm. And obviously they've got a problem there that Lucifer's there with his milk. So one of them has to distract, so they all put their tails together. Jack grabs a tail and they all unwind, and it's Jack's tail. And Jack does the job. Yeah, it's his turn. He he distracts Lucifer like a pro, mm-hmm. and the rest of the mice go out and they get their feeding. Gus Gus uh, initially gets a bit of corn or something, it gets stolen by one of the chickens, and then Cinderella gives him one of his own. Yeah. And he sees all the left behinds and he carries them up because he's a fat little mouse. He is, yeah. He tries to... It's the way that he like has to open his mouth and use his teeth to stack them all together. Yeah, because at this point he's just carrying like enough that it's under his chin. Mm-hmm. And then all the other mice go darting back and one mouse drops it and just like, we don't have the time. Well, the mouse that drops it, he was carrying two because one of them was for Jack. Yeah. So he was carrying one for himself and one for Jack Jack. I hate Jack Jack. I don't know if I've said this already. No, you haven't. Let's I hate go for it. him. Why? Um, I find him very irritating as a character, but I think the thing that cinched it was Cinderella 2, which came out on it was like straight to DVD. It was, it like was shown the on the 90s, Disney Channel. Yeah. yeah. It was shown on the Disney Channel a lot when I was maybe nine or ten and it's three little stories in one movie and one of the stories is jack jack gets turned into a human because he feels like he can't help cinderella as much in his mouse form so the fairy godmother turns him into a human and mostly it just kind of seems like he's in love with her and he spends the whole time just following her around and being really annoying and i just i've never gotten over it very nice guy behavior yep not do you it. think if Cinderella 2 didn't exist, you'd still have those feelings about Jack? Mm, it's the same thing. I also find him very like annoying in the film. But then I also find Gus Gus annoying, but I don't hate Gus. So yeah, probably it is just because of Cinderella 2. That's fair enough, though. It's it's one of those cases where, you know, you go back to the pot too many times, you do have an impact. Mm-hmm. I do like the bit, so yeah. Gus Gus is greedy and he sees his one little bit, so he tries to pick up and he loses all of them. And Lucifer hears this and gives chase. Yeah. And he eventually like picks them up with his teeth, but it's too late. Lucifer's got him. Uh, Jack like pushes a broom, I think, and hits Lucifer. Yeah. And then Gus Gus is basically saved by the bells because he climbs up the little uh, tablecloth. Mm-hmm. hides under the teacup and we get like the nice little teacup trick where Cin- you know, at first Lucifer's like I know where you are and then Cinderella puts more and Lucifer returns goes to it and it's the wrong one yeah <laughs> and then Cinderella comes back so he hides and we repeat and then he goes up again and they're all disappeared because she's now carrying them up and her balance is amazing mm-hmm. she's got them two in, two in one hand 
and one on her head. Yep. And she's just doing it so easy. Like, it's brilliant. And, yeah, she carries it up the stairs and Lucifer runs up the stairs to dart it around because she's like, I know which one it is. Mm -hmm. She turns for some reason. Lucifer picks up and there's no Gus Gus. And then she goes into the stepsis and you can just hear the bells because they're so impatient. Yeah. Which, again, before we even meet them properly, it's a really good introduction when knowing what these characters are about, just how obnoxious they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my favourite bits is that she go in one room and she come out. And she's still got the tray in one hand, one on her head, and she's carrying the laundry. And she go in, still got the tray, carry something else, one on her head, and she just keeps that balance perfectly. Yeah. And Lucifer's just standing outside waiting, and then we hear the chaos as one of the stepsisters finds Gus Gus onto their teacup, mm-hmm. and Cinderella saves him. But the stepmother beckons. And this is our first, like, introduction. She just sat in bed with her tea. Yeah. And it's like, she's so evil because of how calm she is. Mm-hmm. She's like, if you have time to play pranks, Cinderella, then we're going to add to your chore list. And Cinderella tries to defend her. She goes, don't you talk over me. Mm-hmm. She just calmly is staring whilst Lucifer sat. Yeah. So if you have time for pranks, you can clean this. I clean it. I don't care. Clean it again. But she lists all the things that Cinderella has to do. And then the last one is give Lucifer his bath. And Lucifer's like, why am I being punished? Yeah. I just love that bit. It was really, really fun. It's this nice sequence. And then you can see why she's so angry. Mm -hmm. We cut to the castle and a crown's been thrown out the window. And we come in through the little crown-shaped hole in the window. Yep. And... We meet the king. Yes. What do you think of the king? Because we see him and the Grand Duke far We know more. much more about him than we know about the prince, mm. who is not called Prince Charming at any point in this movie. Yeah. It's only in marketing material that he's referred to as Prince Charming. And now, I guess, the theme parks. But yeah, I like the king. I think he's quite funny. He weirdly... Basically, his whole thing is he desperately wants grandchildren. He feels like he's too old to have any more kids. So now he wants his son to get married because he's lonely. Yeah. And it's like one of the things he says is, you know, um, how as he grows up, he grows further from his father. And we Mm. see the paintings that show this, that like the first one is them playing together and the next one is him a little bit further away and the next one's a bit further away. And then the other side, the king's not even in it. Mm -hmm. And it's really good. It's a nice visual joke. And... I felt quite sympathetic to him. Like his reasons for wanting a daughter-in-law are quite well. Selfless. He doesn't really see the his future daughter-in-law as a person, yeah. though. He sees her as a vessel for his grandchildren. Oh yeah, he just sees a womb. Yeah, basically, which is a load of rubbish and very topical at the moment. But what he wants is for his son to get married and have kids so that he can stay home and play with his grandkids all day, which is cute. Yeah, it's not like he's like, oh, I want to retire, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's time you you took things seriously. It's just like he's just this lonely old man who just wants grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, he decides that the prince is going to give a ball when he comes back and the prince won't know about it. Yeah. So we cut back as the stepsisters are practicing uh, doing a music lesson mm-hmm. we get the awful version of seeing sweet nightingale with is it grizzly grizabella not grizabella that's a cat that's grizabella from cats <laughs> griselda griselda grizzy 
Anastasia and Drizella. Drizella, okay. Yeah. Yes, because in Descendants, her daughter is called Dizzy. Yes. So, you know, you got one of them is playing the flute. Yeah. And the other one is... Drizella. And then uh, Anastasia yeah. is uh, singing. And it's very, very painful. But we do hear Cinderella's version. Yeah, and I do like this song. It's a good song. And I especially prefer it when Cinderella's like singing it. Yes, but I like the difference between the two versions of it like the the whole point in cinderella is that everything that the stepmother wants in a daughter she already has in cinderella she just doesn't like her because she's not hers biologically yeah i really like the bubbles here i think they're much better than they were in dumbo Mm -hmm. like visually they're better but i also like the idea that she just like it's her dreams in the bubbles Lucifer has, you know, she comes crashing back down to earth when she sees Lucifer's made a lot more mess, like Dusty Paw Prince, because he's an evil cat. Yeah. But there's a knock, knock, knock at the door. Mm-hmm. And we get a letter from the king. And Cinderella, she doesn't read the letter, she just goes straight up. Yeah. But she's told, the king's throwing a ball, all the women are invited. She goes upstairs and we cut to another bit where they finish off Sing Sweet Nightingale the sister who's got the flute gets one of her fingers stuck and mm-hmm. it's like the high note and Anastasia is struggling to sing and then they start having a little bit of a fight and we get this great line from Lady Tremaine who says, above all, daughters, self-control. Mm-hmm. What? Why would you disturb? And I yeah, just loved that. <laughs> I just thought that was so brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a nice little joke that I really enjoyed. Cinderella stands up for herself and, you know, when, when she hears the letter and says, you know, I'd like to go. It's all the ladies in the land. Mm-hmm. And the stepmother says she can go if she does all her jobs and if she finds something suitable to wear. Yep. The stepsisters complain and this, and Lady Tremaine says, if. And then the stepsisters are delighted because like, ah, ha, 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 if. Mm-hmm. We don't get much of the stepsisters in this one, and they're never called the ugly stepsisters. No, they're never called the ugly stepsisters in anything. There isn't a version where they're called the ugly stepsisters. So is that just something that's come from Panto? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're the wicked stepsisters. Yeah, they... they, they... Even in Into the Woods, the description of them is fair of face but ugly of heart, which is the only place that ugly, I think, is used. Yeah. You can see that certainly they're, they're drawn to be less conventionally attractive. Like it kind of falls into like Geppetto territory mm-hmm. where like their features are a bit more extended and less like photorealistic. Yeah. Am I right in thinking? So I know they did this with Alice and with Snow White that they used human people as like the base. Did they do the same for Cinderella? Yes. Yeah. Cool. So would the stepsisters have been been like inspired by people or was it just Cinderella? It's just Cinderella. So they would have had a younger actress than Eileen Woods at the time come in and perform, basically, and they would draw based off of those movements. And they probably did the same thing with the stepsisters, had a dancer or something come in. Yeah. And then animate based off of the exaggerated movements. But that's what they did for most things. When Walt Disney was running things, he liked to have people use references. Well, I know they did it with The Lion King. So remember, there's a nice little thing on one of the old VHSs where they show like the the animators just watching a baby lion walking around the place. They just 
watch it move and they take notes. Yeah, that wouldn't fly nowadays though, would it? No. Which is probably a good thing. Yeah, definitely a good thing. So Cinderella goes upstairs to her tower mm-hmm. and she reveals that she's got her mum's dress. It's a bit plain and she's got a plan because like in the uh, Cinderella we watched earlier this year, she has a brain for fashion. Yes. But she doesn't have the time. Well, yeah, so she never even gets the chance to make her dress. So instead the mice do it for her. I, I like the work song, but I feel like as it goes on, the squeaky, high-pitched Alvin and Chipmunk's mice girls. voices. Yeah. Like, I can just about deal with it with, with Jack Jack and Gus Gus. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. But when they start singing, it's, it's a, it, I like the content of the song. I like the Cinderella, Cinderella, every day it's Cinderella. And it's really good. But it's like when it gets the really high-pitched, like, chipettes, mm-hmm. it just is a little too grating. And that's why I think this would be my skip song. Because I don't think I could listen to this. Yeah. But I like this song, so it's not a disservice to the song and to the lyrics. I just, you know, it's a choice. And it obviously works with what they're going for, but it just grates on me a little bit. Yeah. But yes, this is one I remembered. The mice help Cinderella. And, you know, they start making the dress. But they realise they need to get a few things. So, you know, we get a comedy sequence where Gus Gus and Jack steal the sash and the beads which the stepsisters have just been like oh these beads are so out of fashion i don't want to wear them why won't you get me new things and this sash it's so Mm old-fashioned and that's where we get the the shot of (laughs) jack putting the beads onto gus gus's tail which has been memed online multiple times yeah multiple times online but yes it's a it's a good little funny sequence you know with lucifer sitting on the beads and he recognizes that the mice are trying to divide and conquer so he like scoots forward and it, yeah the stepsisters here are very clear about that they don't want these things that's why jack jack and gus gus take them yes it's not just taking something that doesn't that they've basically been disowned at that point. Yeah, but it's because the stepsisters are having a tantrum about how they don't have nice things and how they're the poorest girls in town and aren't they so mistreated? Like, like they always do in every version of it because they're spoiled. Yes, and obviously we know, and it, it's a good thing because it does make them far more obnoxious and dislikable because they're actually quite lucky. Yeah. They're just brats. However... Obviously, when she comes downstairs later, the stepmother uses this as a way. She knows what her daughters are like. She knows what they're going to be like. if They see that Cinderella's wearing something of theirs. So she makes a pointed comment about, oh, what a lovely beaded necklace that is. Don't you think, Anastasia? And Anastasia looks and is like, how dare you? That's my necklace. And, and then, then from there, yeah. Well, this is it. So we get the wish reprise as the mice put it together. And again, nice sequence. I like, you know, the pulley system that they all come up with. Mm-hmm. But again, the, the the mouse voices are a little bit grating. 7pm, the carriage awaits. Uh, but they say Cinderella not for her. She's devastated. And she goes upstairs. Yeah. And she sees a dress and she's like, oh, this is wonderful. Thank you so much, lovely mice. And she goes down as everyone's leaving. And this is where we have the... I mean, she looks amazing. I really like it. I actually prefer her hair here than in her... Very godmother outfit. Do you? I like the I like the updo. I think it ages her. Sure. I know we're talking about an animated character, but I think she looks more young. 
But that's the whole point. She's not supposed to look like herself. I know she isn't, but I do think she looks nice with her hair down. Yeah. But she looks amazing here. And yes, uh, Lady Tremaine manipulates her daughters into destroying the dress. Yeah. So they head off and Cinderella cries under dead mum's tree. It's not explicitly dead mum's no, tree. No, we know it from previous things. Yeah, specifically but, into the woods. Yeah. And... We meet the godmother. Yes, we do meet the godmother. The sparkles appear. And I think this magic is really good. Um, I love the way just she appears. Mm-hmm. And I do, I do love her character design because it's simple. But again... It's that kind of iconic Disney thing that you just look at this and you know that character. I'm so glad that they've gotten rid of... If you are a a Disney theme park person, you'll know that they used to have the godmother be um, a mask character. So the character would wear a big plastic mask of her face. And now they just hire older ladies to play the roles. Usually they are women who used to play the princesses which is very cool well so this is it i'm off to disneyland paris this week bye (laughs) see you later it's not strictly a holiday for me i feel like i should point out the fact that this is a work work thing um i'm taking 32 teenagers so it's going to be very stressful and less a holiday and very much work but i am going to disneyland this week if i get the chance to see characters and take a picture with them the only like characters like that that you say have a face like that that i would want pictures with are like your mickeys your goofies your donalds your, your uh, plutos goofies mm-hmm. when we went to the Mickey... animal characters basically yeah. when we went to mickey's not so scary halloween party we queued for ages because we went to like mickey's house because the villains had taken over and we were promised gaston was doing photos because yes I... which is our own fault. They are not allowed to promise which yes. villains will be there. Yes. But at the time that we started queuing, Gaston was inside. And bearing in, the only reason I think the person told us is because I was dressed as Gaston and you were dressed as Belle. Yes. So I think they recognised that. And when we got there... It was the Red Queen. Yeah. Or the Queen of Hearts, yeah. rather, yeah. And nice dress, but it was just like awful plastic head. Yeah. And I don't have, I don't like that. Like, just don't show those characters. I find it very difficult. We've sort of gotten into Disney adult territory with this conversation, but I really find it difficult to interact with the masked characters, Mm. like the suit characters. And kids do too. And I think, obviously, Disney made a lot of progress very recently with they have a version of Mickey who can talk and whose face moves when he talks to you. Oh, that's Which terrifying. is insanely cool. I'll have to find a video to show you. But that kind of level of technology, that's incredible. Yeah. Because it moves like the cartoon character does, and it's crazy cool. But Those Imagineers, though, I mean. Oh, yeah. Give them some more money, please. But the way that you get these, like, plastic face characters, they are quite... Like, my little brother, when... We went to Disney when we were, I I think I was six and he was four. And he desperately loved Woody from Toy Story. He had the toy Woody. Its arm even came off. Like, that's how much he loved his Woody doll. And 
it literally, we all he wanted to do the entire time we were there, he was going on and on and on about meeting Woody. Yeah. And then we finally met him and he cried so much because Woody was this like seven foot tall giant. With a big head. With a big plastic head. And he was so freaked out by it. I'd much so rather upset. like, I know there's a lot of criticism over the fact that Buzz Lightyear has been stylized to look like the new Buzz Lightyear. I don't like it though. But I think if Woody and Buzz are going around, I'm quite happy to not have Woody with a big stylized head like it's just a normal man's head with the thing on mm. i'm quite happy with that but that's me personally yeah uh, anyway we love the fairy godmother she's here yeah the fairy godmother was such an i she does the joke about losing her wand she's checking her pockets and she like ruffles out her dress trying to find it and then she goes oh yeah i put it away and she just pulls it out of midair but i love the fact cute. that that character integrity like that little thing about that character was continued into the descendants the fact that she loses the wands and she's like she she has this sort of great power mm. and she's so flippant about where she keeps it. Like no wonder they were able to seal it. Like it actually makes the descendants a little bit better in my eyes because you go back to this and you're like, yeah, I can see where you've you've been inspired with that and it's true to who this character is. Yeah. Like how old is she? Oh, she's I think well she's a godmother. Oh, they may tell like granny age. But you she know? could be older, you know? Like, how many years has she lived? Oh, yeah, she's, she's this ancient magical being like the fairies in Super Beauty. Yeah, she just forgets these things. So we get possibly the most well-known song from Cinderella. And I would say my favourite song from Cinderella mm-hmm. with Bippity Boppity Boo. Bobbity. Bippity Boppity Boo. Mm-hmm. I really do like this song. And obviously, like... I, I, I remember seeing it like adverts for things in the UK as well. I can't remember what it was promoting, but I remember seeing it. I feel like it's a song that's transcended Cinderella. Oh, yeah, for sure. It gets used for everything. It does, but for good reason, because I think it's a really good song. You know, you've got these nice little magical words, a nice little beat. I remember it being longer. Yes, me too. But maybe that was the Helena Bonham Carter version added to it. That's not even in the film, though. Is it not? No, it's not. I felt not. like it was. It's not. They cut it. Okay. They decided not to make the movie a musical, so they cut it. But they, they kept it. They released it for the film. Because they had it as like a backing thing over the credits. Yeah. Fair enough. But I do really like the transformation sequence as well. You know, you get obviously get the pumpkin. You get the horse's human form, which is great because he still looks like a horse. Yes. And I always thought as a child that this was really funny that they wouldn't just use the horse as a horse yeah yeah i love the fact that the mice become the horse but i think it's because the horse she's here to grant wishes the horse wants to be the coachman yeah because she's something you get to drive for once yeah that's fair the mice want to do anything for cinderella so that's their dream come true gus gus is not pleased about it though he's not messing around with this magic but we do get this great bit where he hides under a teacup lucifer's got it and he, oh, and then he grows into the horse. And, and then Lucifer opens it and then gets scared off by Gus Gus. Mm-hmm. And you get Bruno gets to be the doorman, mm-hmm. which is really good because, again, his dream is just to be there for yeah, Cinderella. The yeah. And it's a really, really nice sequence. And then Fairy Godmother's like, well, you're ready to go then. And Cinderella's, Cinderella's like, like, you sure? You sure? <laughs> you don't want to like, check done. anything else? And then the Fairy Godmother goes, well, you can't wear that, can you? And she creates, again, the iconic dress. And I love the transformation. Mm-hmm. It's a really beautiful, like, animation. Still maintain her hair was better down, but, you know. 
But sure, whatever. Full makeover from the fairy godmother. Yeah. yeah. And she's told explicitly, you have until midnight. At midnight, all of this will disappear. Mm-hmm. So we go to the ball, and it's dull. The prince is not cooperating, and he even yawns in between greeting guests. He literally has to stand there for like two solid hours just bowing to these girls that he doesn't know, though. So, yeah, I can see why that would be boring. We've not even heard him speak. No. Do we ever hear him speak? Yes, he does speak to Cinderella. Okay. But very minimal. We hear him sing. Okay, so it's the same person. Mm -hmm. Well, no, it's not, but it is the prince singing. Fair enough. The Grand Duke kind of narrates the king's desire for the evening as it happens. So obviously it's not going well. And then, you know, King's upset and the Grand Duke's like, oh, I I know you're a romantic and you probably imagined this moment where this one perfect girl would walk in Mm -hmm. and the prince would lock eyes and gravity would become centered. And that would be, and I like that as he narrates this, it happens. Yeah. And I I love, oh, I love it, but I hate it at the same time. You get this bit where he, the, the king steals the Grand Duke's monocle, and you you zoom in, but you see like the you king's... see the hand and the monocle. Yeah, it's weird. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's a very nice, interesting shot, but the fingers are terrifying, like big sausage fingers. It's like Shrek is holding a monocle. Yeah, he nearly falls off the balcony as well trying to give instructions. He's so excited that he might finally be a granddad. He nearly dies, mm-hmm. and the Grand Duke pulls him up. And he's told, if anything goes wrong, it's like off with his head. That's quite dark. Mm. That's a quite dark thing to say in this. He's the king. He's what he wants. Yes, but like the only other person who I've ever kind of seen in Disney to imply off with their heads Mm -hmm. is the aforementioned Queen of Hearts. Yeah. The prince is dancing with Cinderella. The stepsisters are complaining. And Lady Train mentions that this girl looks familiar, but she can't quite place it. As she tries to get closer, she's stopped by the Grand Duke who has curtained them off. This is another thing where people are always like, how did the stepmother not recognise her? Or how did the stepsisters not recognise her? And it's one of those things, again, that in subsequent Cinderella movies, they always try to explain by being like, oh, the magic spell will make nobody recognise you or whatever. Yeah. We've just recently been to our school's prom. I didn't recognise any of those kids. They were wearing makeup and ball gowns and they'd all have their hair, had their hair done. Yeah. Like, I didn't know who any of them were. <laughs> and yeah. I've been teaching them for three years. Yeah. You just wouldn't recognise her. Yeah. If you, the only way that the stepmother knows Cinderella and she's the one that's paying attention. The stepsisters aren't paying attention to no, Cinderella they're just, just arguing. <laughs> but to step, the stepmother only knows Cinderella in her peasant's dress and it, it dirty. They, you know, Cinderella, because she's covered in cinders. She's gr- like scruffy. Yeah. And here she's all beautifully made up in this ball gown that the stepmother would never even consider that Cinderella could own. Yeah. So of course she doesn't recognise her. I don't know. I just think it's really funny. No, it is. It's one of those things that you could be like, well, of course. But then Cinderella is such a low priority for her. She probably has never paid attention. Yeah. I was explaining this to my one of my art classes are doing comic book uh, superhero design at the moment. And I was explaining to them why nobody recognises Clark Kent as being Superman. And it's not because he puts glasses on. It's because Clark Kent is so boring and such a dweeb that nobody could convince themselves that he could possibly be Superman. 
even though he kind of looks like him. Yeah. Like, Clark like... Kent is such a coward yeah. that even if he took his glasses off, people would still not believe that he was Superman. Yeah, because he's so mild-mannered. And... Yeah, and it's the same here. Like, even in this ball gown, nobody would ever think or consider that this could be Cinderella. Yeah. So we get uh, So This Is Love, which is a really lovely song, actually. I, I completely song. forgot this song existed, and it's really cute. It's really sweet as they waltz around First the grounds. No. <laughs> I still think Lovely Lady Lumps. No. Uh, do I, I don't. I genuinely don't. I haven't put any thought into first dance. Um, but yeah, I love this song. It's really... I used to have a soundtrack, Disney, like, best songs soundtrack, and this was on it for some reason. But... Because um, it's a good song. It's a really cute song. And, like, the, the shots they have of them waltzing through the grounds are really romantic and really mm. nice. They spend all this time together talking to each other. We're not privy to what they're saying, obviously, yeah. but you can understand from the context that they're talking to each other. Yes. And then the clock times midnight. Just as they're about to smooch. Yes. And we discover that Cinderella did not know that he was the prince. Yes. Because the reason she gives for running away at midnight is, oh, no, I, I haven't got a chance to meet the prince yet. And he's like, what? But don't you realise? And she's like, oh, no, sorry, got to go. And then so she runs away. Yes. But she didn't know he was the prince at all. No, and it's really weird because as she runs, obviously people give and chase the grand who like bobbles down the stairs, which I really like his little animation because she looks really wobbly as she's chasing after. Mm -hmm. And she just gets in. And like Bruno looks like terrified. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah. And they just get out the gates in time. And then the dark riders of Saruman show up. <laughs> yeah. Like... And they're giving chase and they look scary because like they've got the red eyes and they're all like blurred. I'd be terrified. And the red horses. Yeah. yeah. And like just at midnight, it all disappears anyway. And they have yeah. to hide in like the bushes. Like surely, because the, the riders are right behind them, like to the point that they literally just get to the bushes and they hide in time. Mm hmm. And they crushed the pumpkin, but did they not see this transformation? Clearly not. Oh, tunnel vision. It's it's really exhilarating, though, as a chase sequence. Yeah, it's very good. Very well done. Yeah. And she does get to keep a slipper. I don't know why. I think it's because the stepmother, no, not the stepmother, the godmother knows there's still work to be done, so she's retained that little bit of magic. Yes. The Grand Duke. I like this shot here. We cut back to the Grand Duke, who is talking. And I know enough films and I, I know enough tropes of, of filmmaking that he is practicing his speech but like the camera is zoomed in on him mm -hmm. and then it pans and he's like good i'm ready and i love it it's yes one of my, yes that's what i'll say to him it's Wonderful. one of my favorite tropes in films it's so silly but i love it and he goes in the king's bed is ridiculously excessive like he literally look he takes For this up, tiny little dude he takes yeah. up one percent of this bed space and I just like it that he's dreaming of grandchildren, that he's on his on all fours pretending to be a horse so the grandchildren ride his back. Like, it's really sweet. And yeah. then um, the Grand Duke tries to... He's like, oh, are they married already? Fantastic, fantastic. And he's like, here, have a cigar. Have all the cigars. Which is where we got our tobacco depiction, which was referenced at the start of the film. I was like, where is their tobacco depiction? Yeah, let's have a cigar. And it's as he breaks the news, the king gets... The, he's, like, about to knight the Grand Duke. And he suddenly just brings the sword down and he yeah. splits the cigar in half. And he gives chase. 
And like it's so weird, and they're like bouncing on the bed. Like mm-hmm. one of them's bouncing up, and the other one's bouncing down. And he's swinging the sword excessively. This is this existed in the Laughagram version. Yeah, like a hundred percent. Oh, definitely. And it was really funny. I enjoyed it, and I forgot it existed. But I, I liked that moment. Yeah. <laughs> the great bit is like. When they're holding on to the chandelier and he cuts the chandelier and we get the goofy yell like Yoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Yep. So Goofy must have existed at this point and they've just thrown that in for fun. But this is where the king hatches the shoe plot. Because like Yeah, so the prince won't marry anybody except for Cinderella. He said that he found his perfect person. She's it. That's where we're going. So obviously the Grand Duke has to try the shoe on every girl in the kingdom until he finds a match. But again, this is another thing that people say all the time with Cinderella that I think is being misunderstood. And I could be wrong, but, you know, this is just what I think. Is people say, like, oh, how come the shoes only fit her? That's not what the king says. He says, try the shoe and any girl it fits, bring her here. Yeah. Multiple girls. Any girl it fits, bring her here. So it's just whoever the shoe fits, bring them all in and then we'll figure something else we'll out. Whittle it down from there, yeah. Yeah. But. Fortunately, it does only fit Cinderella. Well, it's sculpted for her feet, isn't it? Yeah, well, they made, they were made around her feet, which is why they shouldn't have fallen off. If they were sculpted I think maybe that's because the magic was starting to wear off, so maybe they were going loosey-goosey. Yeah. It's like her foot phased through it, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like one of those glitchy moments. Well, and even the best-fitted high heels are going to fall off of you when you're trying to run down a set of stairs. Yeah. Uh, we cut straight back to uh, the chalet. And Lady Tremaine... Chalet? Chateau? Chateau. The chalet. <laughs> Whatever. They've gone skiing. <laughs> I don't know these fancy French words. I don't know how I'm going to survive this week. Is chalet a French word? I don't know. It sounds like it. it Lady Tremaine is rushing around because uh, she has an evil plan. She has heard the news and that her daughters still stand a chance. And Cinderella hears the news, immediately drops her breakfast and just walks off going... I could be the queen. And it's just like literally like spacey mm-hmm. and has completely forgotten everything. And this is where you get that really beautiful, like iconic Disney villain shot of like the eyes being lit up and everything around them going dark as Lady Tremaine figures it out. She knows now who this mysterious girl was. Oh yeah, it's French and also Spanish. Cool. So Cinderella goes upstairs and she's just like, cleaning herself and preparing her hair and she ignores the mice it's too late because Lady Tremaine locks her in her room and she's like oh no you can't you can't (laughs) no 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 exactly Uh, Jack tries to get the key and we get the shenanigans like as him and Gus this goes on for a very long time it is but it's a fun little bit like you know you get them trying to get the key out and then you get Lady Tremaine like packing patting it checking it's there standing it's the table and then you get, the, obviously, the shenanigans with the shoe, where it looks like one's fit, but her foot is, like, really creased, which is awful. The one who's got the rest of her foot hidden under her skirt, which is really funny, yeah. like, the way uh, they're trying to get it. The Archduke has sat down and has immediately fallen asleep because he's so tired from trying all these shoes on. Because this is still, like, this whole sh- this whole film basically takes place over two days. Yeah. So, like, he's still exhausted. He hasn't stopped yet. He's just like, oh, I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. Let me sleep. Uh, Lucifer traps Gus Gus just as they were about to give the key. Yes. 
And um, so Cinderella tells the birds to summon Bruno. With This is a callback to right at the beginning yeah. of the film. He was having this dream about chasing Lucifer yeah. and catching him. And she's like, you need to learn to like cats. So no, throw that out the window. Yeah. Come get the cat. My favourite my favorite note I wrote is um, inspired by your TikTok listening habits is they do not have time for this. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> they don't. I yeah. am very busy. And so she's freed and she runs down the stairs and... The Grand Duke's like, yep, we'll try this on you. And Lady Tremaine trips up the Duke and the shoe flies into the air and then shatters on the ground. This is always, this has always made me laugh. Yeah, but luckily... And the way that the Duke reacts, he's like, oh my goodness, the king's going to kill me. He's going to cut my head off. What do I do? And Cinderella's trying to interrupt him. No, no, like, no, hey, you don't fine. understand. You don't understand. don't understand. I'm literally going to get killed. And, and she's, she's like, just... well, I have the other one. And he's like, oh, all right, <laughs> cool. <laughs> he tries it on her anyway, even though she had it. Yeah. And it's great because they, you know, and we cut straight to it. It's very like Dumbo in the fact that we just get straight into the ending here. And it's like, huzzah, they are wed. Yeah. And, you know, she does the famous flappy hand waving yeah. goodbye. The mice are um, like dressed up here as well. Like mm. she's made them royal guard outfits. I love that she's made them royal guard. Do you see what I mean about her being a weirdo? <laughs> like, yeah, right. She fully found the time to how, make them these royal guard outfits. How long has passed from like the Duke confirming the zipper fit Cinderella and that ending. Is it that assume, same afternoon? No, I would assume it took them like at least a week to set up for this royal wedding. So obviously I know one of the cr common critiques I've seen of Cinderella is the fact that how do we know they're actually compatible? <laughs> well, she knows lots of things about the prince because they spent a whole, well, no, getting married after an evening is not a good idea. Obviously yes. we learned from Frozen, but... They're from the sequel films, they're very compatible. No, and that, that's the thing is, it's like, well, actually, they have already spoken, and chances are they're not getting married straight away. They're not getting married in the morning. Yeah, you know, it's we get the the whole. Obviously, the third movie is iconic. It's making the rounds on TikTok at the moment. You've got the scene where the prince jumps out of the window. Yeah, which is hilarious, but it just yeah. But I I do like as the storybook closes. You got like a little drawing of Gus Gus in his guard outfit. Oh, they're so cute! These little illustrations in the book. I really like the bit where Bruno does show up to stop Lucifer because, like, Lucifer's like one shotting all these mice who are coming storming at me, just throwing them back. One of them comes with a candle. The birds are dropping out. cutlery onto the. But he just is like no selling it, and then Bruno shows up, and there's like genuine fear in Lucifer's eyes. So much to the point he gets thrown out the window. And we never he jumps see... out the window. And we never see him again. We never see him land. No, we see him fall, but he's a cat, so he'll be fine. We hope. We well, don't... he's in the rest of the movies. Oh, is he? Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah, because uh, there's a girl cat in the second one. Oh, blimey. Yeah. Is, um, she, is she evil or is, does she make Lucifer a better person? She Lucifer becomes a better person because Jack-Jack and Gus-Gus help him become a better person to be with this girl cat. God, that's so weird. And... um. In the end, the thing that Lucifer and the girl cat bond over is killing Jack Jack and Gus Gus. They don't get them, but like that's what they end up bonding. <laughs> that's an absolute fever dream. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Crikey. We're gonna watch it at some point. It's great. So, Cinderella. Um, what is your best song? Um, probably So This Is Love. I really like So This Is Love, but I'm gonna say Bibbity Bobbity Boo is my favourite song. Nice. 
I really enjoyed it. I think it's just fun and it's a really nice little sequence. I always forget how little, in every form we watch, how minimal the uh, fairy godmother is in Cinderella stories. Yeah. But... Oh yeah, she rocks up for like 10 minutes. Yeah, but it's a really... That. Yeah, it's a really good little sequence. And I would still say my skip song... I'm actually saying my skip song is a combination of the work song mm-hmm. slash wish reprise. Because I don't think wish reprise you'll probably have on a soundtrack... No, so the official soundtrack is Cinderella, the main title which is song, cute. which is Marnie Nixon, yeah, which is cool. Then Dreams of Wish Your Heart Wakes, Swing, Swing, <laughs> Sing Sweet Nightingale, the work song, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo, and So This Is Love. So if it existed, the Wish reprise would be my skip song. Mm-hmm. Love watching it, but wouldn't listen to it. But the work song, as much as I do enjoy it. Of all of them, it's the one I'm most likely to skip just because those mouse voices are going to grate on me. Yeah. What about you? Mine's probably Cinderella. Yeah. As the title song. I think it's really nice. It works in the context of the film. I wouldn't listen to it. It wouldn't make it to your overture playlist. No. Interesting. I thought it would. uh, Which role would you want to play? (laughs) It's always weird with these animated ones, but which role would you want to play? Oh, either Anastasia or Drizella. Yeah. I've said this before, but like, so... In terms of... I've been in a Cinderella pantomime before. Yes. We've talked about it many times. I've played Cinderella. It was fun. Whatever. I'm not great with these, like, sweet, nice, ingenue characters. I'm I'm too sarcastic. Yeah. And I'm also very tall, so I don't get cast as ingenue characters. In also the context of Disney performance, I went to several Disney park auditions... And one of the times that I was there was told that they were going to put my name on their list because they weren't currently hiring for villains, but that I was would have been a good villain and that they would get back to me. They never did. I appreciated it at the time, though. Mm. And the villains that they mentioned were Madame Tremaine and the stepsisters. Yeah. And I was like, yes, I will absolutely come and be a stepsister. I love them. They're hilarious. And you get to work as a pair, so. Yeah. I was thinking it's more fun than being sad little Cinderella in the basement. I mean, you say that, you'd be acting against Laurie, who'd be Cinderella. Yes, and it would be so much fun to be, be so mean to her. <laughs> it's one of the first times I've seen Laurie vote on a poll in a while. And of course, she she voted yes to liking this one. Mm-hmm. Um, my role, I probably would want to play in this version of Cinderella. I'd probably want to play the king, just because I feel like there's a lot of like jokes you could have with this character. Yeah. Or the Grand Duke. Mm-hmm. I think the prince is boring, but it's not his story. It's Cinderella's story. Yeah. Which why I like I appreciate Slipper in the Rose so much is because I've seen so many Cinderella stories that focus on Cinderella. Slipper in the Rose appreciates the fact that there is more to it and we get to explore the prince's perspective mm-hmm. my mvp of this probably is gus gus as annoying as like i find the voices i do think gus gus is a really fun character and like i especially like that he's like this fish out of water in this house and we see his journey through like being caught to being like full part of the like the family of mice yeah even if he doesn't learn He's better than Jack-Jack. And, like, Cinderella's great, as is the stepmother, but I do really like the bits with Gus-Gus. Mm-hmm. Do you have, like, an MVP for this one? It's really difficult with the Disney ones to do this traditional, like... I mean, Irene Wood is amazing. Her, yeah. her voice is iconic. She was an incredibly talented actor, singer, everything, radio host. So I think it has to be her. Who do you think has the best character design? 
Maybe that's something we should talk about with these. Like, who would you say is your favourite designed character within this version of Cinderella? Probably the stepsisters. Yeah. It was actually the same actress who did the motion that was then drawn for Cinderella yeah. and for the stepsisters. Cool. So I think that range of animation, I think, is really interesting for them. Especially because of the way that they move. Every body part that they have seems to move independently. Oh, yeah, like the, when they're in their big because dresses. Because they're so awkward yeah. and it's just great. I, I love the character design for Fairy Godmother and for Cinderella, but I think Lady Tremaine's is just great. And like these moments where she just sat casually staring at you and then she just snaps and barks orders at you. She's so volatile and unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And it's a really well-designed character because she's not like scary, scary. She's not like magic scary, like the evil queen or like Maleficent. Yeah. But she is scary because she's she's volatile. Mm-hmm. So for me, she's one of my favourite characters. Over to Instagram, where our poll had 9% of people saying no, they were not fans. 26% of people saying it's okay, but a large 65% saying yes. Big mm-hmm. fans of Cinderella. On Twitter... 13% of people said they've never seen it, which shocks me, to be honest. I'm not so surprised by that. There's a lot of people now, a lot of people my age whose parents didn't let them watch the older, older. Disney movies. And I think that's becoming more prevalent. And do you think then they don't want to go back and rewatch them because they just don't hold? Like with me watching black and white films, they're great when I sit down and watch them, but they just don't have the same appeal because I'm like, well, actually filmmaking has advanced so much more. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. 9% of people saying no, bibbity bobbity boo. 34% of people saying it's okay, but 44% again saying yes, love. And I think I'm in that camp as well. I gave it four stars. Nice. Like, I really enjoyed this one. I think it was a great uh, little animation. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to see more Cinderella stuff. Like, I I feel like as great as the little Gus Gus. I'm sick of it, yeah. We've got so many Cinderellas. No, but I just... No, we're definitely going to watch the second and third ones. They're not musicals. musicals, So we will just watch them for fun in our own time and not on the podcast. But I do think... Unless you would like to hear us talk about them, in which case maybe we could do mini episodes just covering uh, Cinderella 2 and uh, A Twist in Time. Yeah. I think... That was great. (laughs) So good. It it definitely doesn't add anything new to the Cinderella formula. It becomes like the go-to Cinderella formula that you see in Pantos and you know, in more modern replicated versions. But Mm. there's a reason it stood the test of time, I think. It is a really good, and it's not a problematic film as well. Like when we had to watch Snow White or Pinocchio or Dumbo. Yeah. There's elements of it that are problematic that I actually think, as far as Disney's go, this one's quite free of controversy. The controversy that surrounds this one is people think it's unfeminist to have a main character who's chases after a man it's the same thing people say about the little mermaid it's just a misunderstanding of the context yeah. of the story yeah but I, and that that's your prerogative to read it that way you could say the same for a lot of different oh, yeah, for sure. you know there's so many different films that of course are written by men mm-hmm. that spread that narrative of women are only happy if they're in a committed relationship they will throw away their their high functioning careers as long as they end up with a man yeah you know and that's a common critique throughout all of hollywood but in terms of depictions there's nothing as problematic as the birds from Dumbo or as Stromboli in Pinocchio or even the Seven Dwarfs, mm-hmm. like in Snow White. Yeah. 
I don't know what we're going to watch next. Um, no, we're taking a little break. We are going to take a little bit of a break. Um, Danny's busy, jet setting off to Disneyland for our anniversary. I will be here. For the record, Disneyland Paris. Yes. Which, you know, maybe makes it a little less in your face. No, it'll be so nice. You'll have a great time. It will be nice. And where possible, there'll be some pictures on Instagram, I'm sure. And the week after that, we might get something out. It's a busy week for us, it's, you know. It's the last week of term, we break up for the summer holidays, so we are unlikely to put anything unlikely. Out, but we'll see. If we find something really like, if we find the time, then absolutely we will, but it's a, it is a busy week traditionally, and we don't want to rush content out for you. So you can subscribe to us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms, that way you are notified when our next episode drops, whatever it is. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on the Amazon Music app under the podcast section of the library. You can find us on Stitcher, Good Pods, and our OG hosts Podbean. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod for my Disney adventures, but also for the inevitable poll that announces whatever our next episode will be. Yes, but until the next time we come to you, we will see you same bat place, same bat channel. Have a magical musical Monday.